won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, sits and sieves, you're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 88 and was recorded on September 11th and made available for download September 15th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Tony. And I'm Jeff. What do we have this week, Jeff? In this week's Squawk Box, we check out the reuse of common naming conventions in the aerospace industry and the virtual aerospace industry. In CIG News, we're bringing you everything that's happening around the UAE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, Star Citizen Patch 1.2.1, the poll from the Stoddard Research Center, and a Friday update. In Nuggets for Nuggets, we're off to the Aegis Press Conference. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and Sivs, you can help us bring you more of the show you love by visiting our website, guardfrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon button. For the low, low price of $1.25 per episode, you can become a backer and get access to the unedited recordings of the show a whole three days before our Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love each week with you free of charge, but it's nice to get that occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank the folks who have already chipped in and hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. And that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the school books. Hey, you boys, need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. The United States is slowly, but... Uh, slowly working its way back into the manned spaceflight business. And it truly is the business of spaceflight because the private sector dominates the American orbital efforts these days. Well, you know, fine, I'm not going to judge. You know, when it's been more than four years since your last ride, you start getting desperate. You know, on top of that, the Russian delivery you worked out isn't what you hoped for. So I get it if you're starting to go to the open market, if that's where the action is. Uh, that, this is coming out all wrong. Let me start over. Boeing has announced the name for its planned crew capsule, the otherwise boringly designated CST-100. And no, they didn't just call a press conference to say, our marketing guy signed off on our focus group results. Actually, Boeing and the United Launch Alliance were celebrating the reopening of the gargantuan spacecraft assembly complex down at Cape Canaveral. The facilities, largely dormant since the retirement of the shuttle in 2011, are being brought back to life to support the first generation of crewed commercial spaceflight. The name of the new ship, you ask? I'm getting there, or actually, I already shall done get it there, because the name is one that should resonate with this audience, the Starliner. With this announcement, Boeing is retro-prospectively keeping down with the 30th century pre-tradition of will-be-naming passenger ships. Man, someone really needs to work out a way to conjugate verb tenses for situations like this. With CIG's announcement of the Genesis Starliner earlier this year, it might seem like a tip-of-the-hat-slash-slap-in-the-face-slash-no-original-ideas issue, but a little trip down memory lane puts Boeing on solid precedential ground here. Turns out Boeing does this sort of pattern thing with its products, the best example being the 7-blank-7 passenger jet aircraft designations. But you might also be aware of its celebrated intercontinental bombers, the B-17 Flying Fortress, the B-29 Super Fortress, and the B-52 Strato Fortress. But did you know? In 1935, Boeing built the Model 307, the first pressurized passenger plane, and they called it the Stratoliner. Then in 2009, they built the 787, the first composite airframe passenger plane, and they called it the Dreamliner, and now the Starliner. And this got me thinking about new products and markets that Boeing could yet expand their liners into, just in case the final frontier isn't enough for them. You guys ready? I've got some great ideas here. Right. I didn't write them into the show document because I wanted you to be surprised. Okay, hit they're, me. They're really good. They're really good. Okay, all right. So I'm going to pitch this to you, all right? A high-speed aircraft-slash-submarine hybrid for service around the Pacific. Its name? The Underliner. Ooh. Huh? Huh? Yeah, huh? Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. All right. Yeah. All right. Great. And how about this? How about this? A joint venture with Apple that slaps a rivetless aluminum unibody around a standard 737 and then sells it for triple the price. The Eyeliner. <laughs> huh? 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 Yeah? Okay. okay. Wait, wait, wait. I got, I got more. I got more. Okay, how about a low-speed turboprop 
built for really laid-back trips between Washington State and Colorado that serves only Cheetos as an in-flight snack. The Highliner. Hey. Hey. Okay. All right. All right. Last one. Last one. This, is, this one's especially for our British fans out there. Hang on. A long-haul, efficient cargo plane designed to ferry vast quantities of tikka masala to Britain from India. Wait for it. The Bin Liner. Britain, India, Bin. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Huh? Ah. yeah. Oh, 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 double pun. Yes. Yeah, that huh? that yeah. is truly that, that worthy That hits of on us. a couple different levels there. I thought that was yeah. a good one. So, yeah. So we're going to return to space in, uh, in, in style in a Boeing. Probably not with stewardesses, though. Really? Why not? Well, well, probably it's the flight attendants. <laughs> Being, yeah. Okay, you you forgot one critical aircraft in here, which what's you know, that? Which being from the state that Boeing was born in, and my mom working for Boeing at the time on a very failed project that by today's standards would be pretty cool. It was called the SST. Was it called a liner? Um, no, it's called the SST actually. Yeah, um, but that's not a liner it, or a it was fortress. A, it was a supersonic. It looked kind of like the, uh, what, what's that? Concord. Concord, yes. Yeah. That uh, didn't go very far, but it was a big project at the time. Well, so what would it be? Would it be like the sonic liner? Yeah, the sonic liner. Okay. Yeah. That works. Maybe. That's kind of a Doctor Who flavor to it. I like it. If Boeing were to make a system kind of like frequent flyer miles, but what you could do is you could, you know, every time you, you did something with their aircraft, because they even do the fighter craft, right? So every time you're involved in a dogfight, yeah. for example, yeah. or some sort of friendly, I don't know if they play capture the flag in the air, could you earn sort of credits to rent their other airliners? And could one of them that you then get be the wreck liner? <laughs> yes. Yes, it could. Have you read, seen, or heard something that might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for September 11, 2015 is 88925000 up another 600000 again with the not-quite-million mark before showtime. What's wrong with you backer people? Star Citizens now number 978,000 up about 5,000. So much for my bold prediction of a million. What is wrong with you DragonCon people? And the UEE fleet has grown by another 3,000 again to 761,000. So I guess that at least is working as intended. Great Scott! Star Citizen Alpha Patch 1.2.1 has been deployed to the PTU. Although this is mainly a hotfix patch, it has added a few extra improvements to make your life planetside just that little bit sweeter. But firstly, the hangar module got a little bit of love. Various ships, including the Retaliator, the Gladiator and the Scythe, have had their seating and camera issues sorted, and the texture conflicts in the Southland hangar have also been resolved. Arena Commanders also received a little bit of attention too. Primarily, the Glaive has stopped by the shower garage for some fuel, so now your boost button actually works correctly and they've also fixed the bug where you would be unable to respawn if you died whilst you were interacting with your hut which is something that's caught me out personally in the last week so i'm really glad to see that one's done and finally the social module has seen a fair number of improvements like we were saying so if you happened to fall outside of the map you'll now be teleported back to a safe spawn point right at the beginning of art corp the chat channels in the chat box have had the channel names in front of them added and the text is colored to distinguish them from local chat items viewed through the Moby Glass will now have a blue highlight when you target them, and the left alt key now enables the use of the mouse, which will also lock your character in place, so this will actually allow you to use the tabs and the buttons and so forth that are part of the UI. Unfortunately though for us explorers, they've patched quite a few places where you could clip outside the map, and so if you were using the medical unit in the back alley or that sweet spot in Dumper's Depot, I'm sorry but they've they've locked that off, the walls have gone up, and out of the map no more, we shall go. Well that's a good thing though, that's what we're there to test for is to find those those bad spots I mean, I, they, I think that's good they, they took our, our data, our feedback and, and they fixed those things Yeah, and you know, you guys are such show-offs that you have to post YouTube clips and, and videos and go to the forums and stuff and say, hey, look what I can do. You know, if you guys just keep your mouth shut, you could clip out of the map all day long into, into beta and into release. Oh, no. 
All you, all you show off explorers, look what I can do. <laughs> well, Chris actually said in 10 for the Chairman that he was really liking how uh, oh, we yeah. were clipping through the maps and everything like that. And yeah, like Jeff was saying, you know, this is all part of Alpha. It is all about finding the really weird things. And I know that a couple of times when the clipping has occurred, it's been entirely by accident. You know, people weren't necessarily looking for this. I think everybody who did go looking for it tried to clip through, to start with, the doors in Art Corp, which is great because then, uh, as me and Shiv found out, you can get inside the Freelancer that's on the runway, but then you get totally stuck and... Uh, <laughs> it's a bit tough to get out of. Although apparently uh, one of our listeners managed to escape from there. So good job. I mean, I'm sure it is a lot of fun for the people there. Usually when you would find those things is when you say, ha ha, Golden Master release. It's all perfect and wonderful now. And then people, you know, fall off the yeah. edge of the map and, you know, and clip into places they're not supposed to. And then you're kind of like, oops. This is, I think, probably the upside of the, the development procedure that they have chosen here is that go nuts, guys. Break it, you know, to, you know, try to try to screw with it because, hey, it's an alpha then your your shenanigans now will make it uh, better for us in the long run. Uh, and I do have to say that I have been enjoying their patch numbering conventions because we get to use clips like this one. 1.21 gigawatts! 1.21 gigawatts! What the hell is a gigawatt? How could I have been so careless? 1.21 gigawatts! And I, I think we can also re, uh, resurrect our old favorite from Clue. 1 plus 2 plus 2 plus 1. Uh-uh. It was only one shot that got the chandelier. That's 1 plus 2 plus 1 plus 1. Even if you were right, that would be 1 plus 1 plus 2 plus 1, not 1 plus 2 plus 1 plus 1. Okay, fine. 1 plus 2 plus 1. Shut up! But, you know, next one's going to be 1.3, and then we're on to 2.0, and so, you know, neither one of those is going to fit. We're going to have to come up with some other movie clips after this one. Yeah, I wonder if the community's got any suggestions. Impromptu community question time. If you know of a movie clip that we could use for such references, let us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be, we'll be happy to take suggestions. Each week, CIG releases several blogs and articles that cover the lore, everything from galactic guides to the short fiction pieces like Orbital Supermax and the first run, a Sorry Lyrax delivery. Usually we end up putting these into the news we didn't use segment as, you know, although they're great reads, they're things you need to sort of experience for yourself and, you know, not just get our summarized uh, Reader's Digest version of it. That and uh, also Jeff gets cranky if we don't talk about how to blow things up. I, uh, I mean, rescue people, right, Jeff? Rescue right, people. Right, rescue people. Right, right. But uh, I believe it was Thomas Jefferson who said, I hold it that a little rebellion now and then is a good thing. And apparently he's not the only one. In an article entitled Stoddard Research Center over at the Robert Space Industry website, CIG have taken a little bit of a detour on delivering their uh, usual lore of the verse. Instead of the usual short stories or one-page guidebook entries, this article is presented as an in-universe poll conducted by an in-universe company who asks for citizens, and only citizens, to answer a series of questions with the votes displayed once you've submitted your answers. The questions range from which political party do you feel your ideals most closely align to what's your opinion on how safe the empire is, and even asking which way you intend to vote on the Polo Initiative. This article certainly got us talking over at the Guard Frequency Hangar. Um, we had some chats in our hangout, and um, we've talked about this before. Chris Roberts really intends people to invest in the role play aspect of this you know when you log in they're really sort of designing the game and the systems and everything about it to be immersive when you're logged in you're supposed to be and act and think as the character that you are designing and building as you as you complete missions and acquire gear in the universe i'm just wondering if people are thinking that way now when we're still you know a year plus away from quote you know release uh, when we're still in the alpha uh, side of things if people are I don't know, ready for it? I don't know if that's the right question or the right way to ask it. Uh, or if they're prepared to start thinking that way as they approach the game and as they start thinking about how they're, what they're going to do uh, when they finally are able to log into the Persistent Universe. This could be what's actually prompting them to start thinking this way. You know, maybe that was one of the goals behind it. Because that's another thing that did come up in the chat was people were asking, is this something that they're supposed to be filling in themselves? Is it supposed to be something they're filling in as their character? And that then sort of led on to the discussion of what is CIG actually going to do with this data? Is it just there for fluff? Is it going to influence something at the beginning of the persistent universe that we're completely unaware of? And so many people were thinking, 
such you know in-depth ways that he could use the information because there's quite a lot of uh, stuff that they're asking again it was like which political party do you feel closely aligned to and how safe do you think the empire is which i think that's a bit of a loaded question but well yeah that, i wanted actually i wanted to address that the loaded questions i mean you know any survey company that would, that would put this out there would probably be instantly you know harassed by the uh, the the talking heads on tv for asking such loaded questions like leading questions like how safe do you feel the empire is right now i'm like holy crap i just you know my family just died in a van duel raid and my uh, my best friend got sold into slavery the other day safe the empire safe what <laughs> i'll give it a three the stoddard research center and again that you know you don't know what that is is that some sort of like you know a university you know a neutral think tank sort of a place or is it some sort of like political hack company you know is it the fox news of, of the uh, the 30th century no offense to anyone out there that listens to fox news or maybe some offense i don't know maybe anyway but my point is is that they didn't give you any of that information they didn't say yeah. the started research institute is blah 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 blah, and we'd like you to do this as though you were blah 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 blah, blah. they just put it out there and let's let people go nuts with it and again, I like that sort of thinking and that sort of gameplay design where you just drop it in everybody's lap and go, now what? A troll pops out from behind the rock. Dude, we were just barbecuing. What? You know, I mean, that that's the sort of surprise or sort of, you know, interesting little twist that I'm really looking forward to in a curated, guided sort of multiplayer experience, right? I mean, they're going to run the universe for us with all these little NPCs, but then they're going to throw kinks into it and watch how the system unfolds and how the players react to it as well as the NPCs. So I think this is a little taste of what we have to come, and I hope and I expect that we see more of this as both the lore gets more developed and the game systems themselves. Yeah. Did you actually, um, when you finished answering your questions, did you happened to look at where you fell on the spectrum of responses i i did i didn't i just answered the questions and, <laughs> and moved on yeah i'm just like yeah <laughs> screw you guys i'm going home you know this is the other side of it too because they didn't give you any information and because and i read through some of the comments in the chat you don't know how the other people answered it so in game theory kind of a sense it's like how are they answering are they answering as the players or as the NPCs or are they answering as how they think other players think their character should be answering you know if I'm a pirate and I've told everybody I'm a pirate and I have head up a pirate organization I might want to lull everyone into a false sense of security and might you know I might shade my answers that way Oh, the Empire's completely safe, and I don't think we need any military funding whatsoever. In fact, I think we need to invest more in gold mines. Yes. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, I think if everyone could maybe make bright, uh, reflective paintings on their ships so that they're really easy to spot for safety reasons. Safety reasons, yes. Yeah, from, from, from a long distance and really show up well on low-power radars... That would be very good. We should have that because traffic safety is a very important goal. So, you know, that's why I didn't think the poll results were that big of a deal because they didn't, you know, CG didn't give you the guidance in the first place of how you're supposed to do it. And no two people would necessarily have approached it the same way. I, I still found the results kind of curious. Was there any one that you were really, like, surprised about, Jeff? Was there one that you particularly thought that this, this wasn't how I thought it would be at all? either from a player standpoint or from an in-universe character standpoint. So, like, uh, were you able to vote in the last centorial election? So, thinking as in an in-game character, now, would I have voted in that being ex-military and, and based on my character? Yes, I voted in the last centorial election. But I found it interesting that 59% said I, they were unable to vote due to circumstance. <laughs> circumstances being, I'm a pirate. Yeah, I, li I like that one. Circumstances. Or... No, I didn't see a vote because I'm sitting here on a web page and nobody asked me to vote. I mean, <laughs> yeah, was I supposed to vote? I had no idea. Yeah, but that is a good point, yeah. and that's that's why I think that a lot of this is just to get us thinking and to give us a more interactive way of presenting the law. Because I know I certainly did. I was aware of the Polo Initiative from the previous law builders and things like that, but I had to Google it to understand the the minutia of it which just you know wasn't in the forefront of my mind because these things like we said they're usually just almost fluff pieces you can read them and forget about them and as long as you vaguely are aware that where the magnus system is you're good but no this one actually caused me to go and do research and i don't know how i feel about that yet 
do you approve or disapprove of the job the current Senate is doing? Now, 42% disapprove. Now, did they disapprove <laughs> because they just don't like government? Or did they actually know what the Senate is doing? And did they have a, an opinion on that? Yeah, it, it, you don't know if they're just... A, or are the game designers wanting input on which way to push the game? You know what I mean? Like... How, how many of the NPCs that we are generate in the background should be very likely or less likely to take government jobs, right? Right. So, like, we're going to have 40% of our NPCs are going to only take government jobs if the pay rate is plus or minus 10% of this. You know, like, you know, make them biased towards going to get the job from the bar versus going to get the job from the official job board. You know, maybe maybe that's what they're up to with this stuff. You know, uh, programming the NPC biases. That would be cool. That would be. I honestly didn't think of that because if all that they wanted was some general random statistics that at least look plausible, this is a good way to do it. Yeah, because I mean, the, theoretically, you'd think that the noise would cancel out, right? You yeah. know, so everyone who's trying to game the system would be more or less canceled out by the people that are just like click, 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 click. You know, fifty thousand monkeys on a typewriter come up with the answer eventually. Right. Click, 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 click. I mean, and just go through it. I, I and I don't know what they're thinking with this. It might just be a complete and total uh, somebody had an afternoon off and thought this would be a fun idea and so they just threw it together and said here we're, we're short on posts this week throw that up there or the guy who was supposed to do the lore post this week has the measles here throw this poll up and we'll see what happens uh, you know we could be reading way too much into it but again I think that's part of the fun yeah I think that's gonna I think that's one of the reasons why a curated game experience like CIG has planned for the persistent universe a managed environment where the the game masters are fooling with us from time to time could probably be a lot of fun. And if you're interested in reading up on any more of the lore, uh, Citizen Jeffrey Yen has compiled a massive list of every bit of lore that CRG have released, it, and it's all available not only in PDF format, but in Kindle format, should you wish to take it with you on the go. Web address is starcitizenlaw.mobi, and the link will be in the show notes for that. As it is with every Friday night, we've got a few late-breaking developments for you folks. Jason and Disco Lando take another crack at the weekly Star Marine update scene. Their display of punmanship via bullet points this week features such gems as The Big Merged was merged. The dev team is all on the same code branch. New Star Marine mode in testing, headquarters. An excessive use of the word widget. The Community Hub is going live for all subscribers and concierge tonight, but a few blockers were delaying the full public rollout a bit. Hopefully by the time you hear this recording, it will be out. If you look very closely, you can find the best damn Space Sim podcast ever on there. There's also other stuff, and some things, stuff like Star Citizen's Twitch streams, and things like dev posts and fan art. Each subsection has a handy link you can use to submit a link to your very own Star Citizen fan creation, so get creative and get your work out there. The issue council is not yet live for all citizens, but look for it soon. And speaking of all citizens and the forums... Yeah, the hammer yeah. came down. The widespread ban hammer. Ben hammer. Ben Hammer. I don't know. I don't think Ben made the, the... Disco Lando made the post. Yeah, but Ben's his boss, so it just goes up the train. Up the train, up no, the train. I don't think of it so much as a Ben Hammer. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we are talking about the forms changing over to backer-only kind of thing, right? Oh, yeah. Well, look, this is a game in development, and really the people that should be talking about it are the people that backed, and there are lots of sub-sites and fan sites that, you know, people can wank on about their dissatisfaction or whatnot, but I really think the focus needs to be on getting the product done and the people that are putting their ma money up to help get the product done. I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a minute. Isn't an important part of the community the ones that are still on the fence. I mean, they're interested enough to show up. They're interested enough to read the forums. They're interested enough to respond on the forums, but they haven't yet committed the dollars. I mean, are, isn't that isn't that an important part? Again, I'm playing devil's advocate because I really don't have a problem with, with what they did. And we all know why it happened. He who shall not be named. No, I, I think they were going to do this anyway. I don't think that was the reason why really? they did it. Yes. Well, but at what point? When is the natural point to say to everyone, hey, thanks for registering for the site. Please continue to browse the forums and read, And but we're taking away your posting privileges. When's the natural point to do that? 
Well, I don't know. There is a natural point to do that. I think it's a point where you get so far in development that you want to, you know, start controlling the posts and stuff that you get. With all due respect to the elder, immortal member of our of our of our cast, I'm gonna respectfully disagree. I see the I see a response to he who should not be named all over this. And again, I don't have a problem with him doing it, and I think it's probably the correct move. Then I will say that if that's the reason, that's a poor reason to do something like this. Well, I'm not convinced that that's necessarily a poor reason because the people who shall not be named and the uh, I, I don't know how to describe it the I don't want to use the word dissenters because you know if you've got a legitimate concern then the forums is a good place to air that but the ones who are just specifically causing trouble and no other actual purpose than to cause trouble the amount of mod time that that must be taking to actually sort out you know these people still have other avenues they have other websites there's reddit there's uh, there's 10 ton hammer exactly no, yeah. those guys will print anything what, who was the other one PC, PC gamer game, mag. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of heck. Rock paper shotgun will probably even give you a shot. There's plenty of outlets for it. Having to give the community team, who are also the customer service team, they kind of overlap a bit. Getting them to have to moderate all the stuff that is just there to cause trouble. That's a bad use of mod time I think you know they could be getting through it doing other things if you are a backer and you have a legitimate concern post it I'm not saying you know it's only for oh, fanboys yeah. of RSI or whatever that's completely not what I'm saying with this it's just if if the only reason that you're there is because you haven't put any money up and you're there to cause trouble just go elsewhere and this solves it because anybody who has any interest in the game would have likely vested money or they can gain enough from the rest of the site to know if it's worth investing money in the forums themselves are just you know that's just an added feature for backers i think there's two things at play here i think that the the he who should not be named uh, debacle was the trigger let's say i mean i think that yeah. was the trigger but i think that part of this is another dimension of the chris roberts attitude towards the game itself it's that when you come in here, when you come into the house of Chris Roberts, you're here for one reason, and that's to immerse yourself in a game. You're here as a person, as a player, to do that. You're not here as an anonymous forum handle to do that. You're a customer of the company. You're a player of the game who has to play with other people in the sandbox. And that comes with some obligations and some rules. One of them is you can't put on a mask and pretend to be somebody else and come back into the sandbox after you've left the sandbox as your as your own self. So I think this has a lot to do with cutting back on the anonymity, on the sock puppeting, on the, you know, uh, the whack-a-mole registration thing. You know, you get one account banned and you register another one. If you had to pay $45 for a ship every time you wanted to, you know, uh, make a mod's life hell, like you were saying, Lennon, uh, playing whack-a-mole on the forums, you're going to think twice. It's really not worth $45 a pop to continue to get your forum account banned. So I think those things are playing together for it. And I think that this was sort of the the the, 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 the he who should not be named crisis uh, was maybe the, the push. But it might have been a long time coming. Because I really do think it dovetails nicely with Chris Roberts' attitude about playing Chris Roberts' games. Which I think is a good thing. I really think this is where they would needed to go eventually. Even if not now, it would have been soon. I don't have a problem with it. I think that you are shutting off a potentially informative segment of the community. But it's not as though CIG does not read Twitter. Or oh, yeah. does not get links sent to them about all the other, you know, punctuation optional press, you know. Well, it didn't ban you from the site. I mean, you still get tons of information. You yeah, still for free. Get, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and, and reverse the verse or and uh, uh, on Twitch and around the verse on the website and all the other things. So if you're still sitting on the fence after all this and you, I think this will just, you know, help bring those undecided people in. Well, and again, it's the, other, it's the flip side of the freedom of speech thing. Just because you have the right to speak doesn't mean that you also have the right to be heard. You know, if you want to say things about Star Citizen on those other places, like you were saying, 
go ahead. I mean, there's plenty of other outlets for you. They're not required to give you a stage. And, I mean, it's not even as if by not backing you won't have dev interaction because they are all over the subreddit. You you mm-hmm. will just find hundreds of them in there. So I think it's a good thing overall. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hesitate to say good thing. I'm going to say it's not a bad thing. It's a thing. And probably better to do it than not to do it. Part of me, though, really does really does sort of shy away from cutting off a segment of your following that may have good things to say, or at least things that you should be thinking about. But on balance, is probably the right thing to do. Now it's time for news we didn't use. Bug Smashes! Episode 10. We're back in Mark's fun little test level for more bug smashing antics. Meet the CIG devs. Episode... Yeah, who knows? Meet Todd Pappy, CIG's design director. 10 for the Chairman, episode 65. Want to know the difference between a missile and a torpedo? Watch 10 for the Chairman to find out. Monthly report for August. Another great report from CIG and friends. And around the verse, episode 60. Sandy's pretty punny, but she learned from the best. Finger guns. Well, I liked uh, the uh, clarifications we received on Around the Verse this week uh, about the EMP and uh, E-War stuff. Um, Apparently, hacking all the things is not going to be the thing. You'll have to actually establish a physical connection, like with a data spike missile, uh, before you can John Travolta, Halle Berry... Hack the planet. Yeah, hack the planet stuff. Um, so I think that, uh, that, that that's good. I can work with that. That means if I have adequate shielding or missile defenses, then, you know, I can prevent someone from trying to uh, pull those shenanigans off my, you know, fortress in space. That was good to hear. And I also kind of like the idea that it's going to fit into previously established damage categories. And this is where you start getting into the sort of theory crafting of, of gaming. There's kinetic damage, there's energy damage, there's radiation damage, and there's distortion damage, which we've known about since you know more or less day one with those sucker punch cannons, uh, the ones that will cause power flow issues. Um, so they're kind of categorizing the EMP damage in the E-War as another type of distortion damage that you, know, you already have to think about defending with... Uh, the sucker punch stuff. So I like how they're slotting it into already familiar categories for those of us who have been around for you know a while around here. Uh, it's already kind of in our wheelhouse. We in guard frequency would probably use these data spikes a lot. We go go on a rescue. We want to find out what's going on uh, with the internal sensors. You know, atmosphere. How many life signs? Uh, opening up the lock so that we can get in to. to uh, do a rescue. That's a that's a non-combat use of the same you know e-war system. Right. Yeah, Matt Sherman, I think, was the designer that was on there talking about it. He said those things should have a cost. You know, obtaining that information or being able to take that kind of control over someone else's internal systems should be a costly maneuver. Uh, so you'll have to expend consumables in the form of a missile to make that attempt. And if you want to knock out everybody's gear. Uh, via an EMP burst or trigger, that will also be a costly uh, maneuver. And it may, you know, in fact, splash damage uh, back onto your ship uh, because you'll be affected by that same EMP burst as, as your target, possibly, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I, th- I thought it was a good it was a good clarification, a good discussion. Still more questions, but, hey, we're in Alpha, and they're just barely getting their hands on the system into designing it, so we're kind of along for the ride. And this week's community question, what's your take on the whole forum re-gigawatt? What the hell is a gigawatt? Or how about the community hub? What do you think about that? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post in our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the burst, let's head over to the Aegis press conference in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. We interrupt this crossover episode of Desperate Station Wives meets Buffy the Vandal Slayer for an EBC One special bulletin. I'm Smooth Furnace coming to you live from the headquarters of the embattled Aegis Dynamics 
where controversial marketing director Janusz Konstantopoulos will be addressing the brewing firestorm over his company's recent drastic changes to its formerly inoffensive and pedestrian product lines. He's taking the podium now. Uh, thank you. Thank you all for coming. I'm here to announce Aegis Dynamics' newest marketing initiative. Will this address the concerns about the Avenger production rumors? Uh, please hold your questions for a moment, sir. Thank you. Now, uh, Aegis Dynamics is proud to debut our new modular upgrade system for our ships. The majority of Aegis commercial craft will now be able to adjust their operational parameters without requiring extensive refits or volume purchasing of extra individual components. Owning multiple ships for different tasks will no longer be necessary with the Aegis line of civilian craft. This system is being rolled out for our Retaliator and Vanguard lines. I have time for a few questions now. Uh, you, sir. So will uh, this work if someone wants to make a 315P into a 350R? Those ships are put out by Origin, sir, and I can't speak to them. Well, is Origin doing it then? Uh, as I said, sir, I have no idea of what Origin's business plan is. I can say right now, though, that Aegis is reviewing the possibility of extending this system to our other fighter lines, but it's not currently implemented, uh, nor does any other manufacturer have this system in place for their single-seat fighters. Is that why the Avengers production line hasn't been expanded? I can't divulge details of our operational decisions. How do you respond to rumors that Aegis is abandoning the Avenger in face of lost contracts and competing fighters from Anvil? Uh, I will not speak to rumor or hearsay, so can we please keep the questions focused on the modular systems? What about converting a Constellation Aquila to a Constellation Phoenix? Uh, sir, those ships are produced by RSI, not Aegis. How hard have you made it to switch back and forth with the modules? What if a customer wants to haul sometimes and fight pirates other times? How is your company going to make obscene profits from these changes? Uh, as I indicated earlier, the modular aspect of the ships can be switched out at will as long as the ship is not actively in flight, uh, preferably while it's in a hangar. These changes are not permanent, so if you want to install some cargo bays in for one haul and then switch them out for passenger berths for the next trip, you can do that without any special staff or equipment required. Um, what about the Bengal? That ship don't land good. So not only is a Bengal carrier not made by Aegis, it's also not commercially available. Uh, can I put a hot tub in that retaliator? That's not currently one of the modular upgrades available, no. Uh, well, I can put a hot tub in the Constellation. Wait, 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 wait. The different operational parameters here for the Vanguard list, weapon hardpoint changes. Now, the Vanguard's weapon aren't even mounted in its modular bay. Ah, finally. <laughs> a good question. You've hit right on the beauty of our Battlefield upgrade kits. Another new offering from Aegis Dynamics. These kits are bulk packages that contain a role performance module plus other components that will allow the consumer to alter their ship so completely that it will effectively function as a different variant of the ship. Currently available for our line of Vanguard long-range fighters... What, what, wait, what if I only want the guns? And what if they're cheaper somewhere else? You're making me buy a whole bundle? I just want to upgrade the radar. Uh, any individual pieces from an upgrade kit can be installed separately without applying all of the components, so the upgrade kits are only a sales package to make it easier for the consumer. The ship's hardpoints can of course be upgraded with purchase components from any licensed Aegis Dynamics dealer, and the contents of the upgrade kit are available separately, though that may result in a higher overall price point. Does this mean Aegis is discontinuing the reclaimer and redeemer holes in favour of modular upgrades? I can say that while more specialised modules will be available and will provide adequate performance in unique situations, Aegis stands by its line of specialty role ships, such as the Reclaimer, as the best option for specialised missions. So you're not getting rid of the Genesis, right? Aegis doesn't make the Genesis. So what Battlefield upgrade kit will let me turn an Avenger into a ship your company actually cares about? Well, first, the Battlefield upgrade kits do not allow for modifications in the ship's hull profile, only some of the internal structure and the component hardpoints. The ship you start with will be the same ship after the Battlefield upgrade kit is complete, just with different performance capabilities. And second, Aegis stands by its entire line of ships, and this new initiative does not signal the end of any current production lines or preference for one type of fighter over the other. Uh, thank you, that's all the time we have for now. Is it true that the is it well, there you have it, folks. Mr. Constantopoulos ducking the hard questions and leaving his company's customers wondering if their wallets will survive. I'm Smooth Furnace, and EBC One now returns you to your regular programming.
Some say he thinks Star Marine is a military version of a Simon Cowell show, and that on the Polo Initiative, he's voting Marco. But all we know is he's called the Shiv, and he'll put together this week's feedback. The social module. It's out on time, maybe even early. Is this a sign of the new CIG, or are we just crazy optimist fanboy podcasters? You answered our community question last week as follows. Sean Newboy writes in and says, Wonderful show, everyone. I'm thinking that they are both more efficient than they let on, leading to the early release, and also trying to limit that guy's power. Seoldian the Dave says, Fantabulous show, gents. I got my patch. Yay, patch. I have it with my collection of military patches. Thanks. This is not a new CIG. It's just a CIG that's ready to show off what's been worked on for so long. The info drought in early summer regarding the FPS status was a huge mistake, as they have admitted. But that aside, I think you guys will need to adjust your show to accommodate all the content that's going to be fire-hosed our way within the next few months. A two-hour podcast, maybe? No? No? How about twice a week? <gasps> Better yet, Jeff could do a spin-off reality podcast with the Verster as his sidekick. Yeah, that's it. Genius! That was Sealdian talking, not me. We'll take this under advisement, Sayo. We'll, we'll, we'll have to discuss this. He goes on to say, I love, love, love the E-War component introduced as well. I agree with Ostron's assessment, which we'll read in a moment. It'll all work out. A little FPS will do you some good, Tony. It'll put a little testosterone boost into your day. Who doesn't love the smell of gunpowder in a space station corridor <laughs> in the morning? Ostron writes in and says, great shows, guys. I'm going to stick with Jeff and remain cautiously optimistic. As you brought up, the issue holding the social module back was its artificial link to the first-person shooter module. In general terms, the social module was easy. There are very few game mechanics involved with it. Still an accomplishment for CIG, but I don't think it's groundbreaking leap forward, although it's very pretty. Benu from Those Guys With Ships wrote in and says, Like the show, love the upbeat tone. As for the question, why yes, I do believe that they'll hit all the dates as outlined in Tony Zero of X post on the next steps of the PU. Seriously, that's the sort of news we need though. Here's what's on the menu with the rough order in which we'll get it, liberally sprinkled with tasty bits and a side of reasons why we shouldn't expect daily or weekly game patches. Deadlines are only nice for making that whooshing sound as they go by. Krell says, I think the early release of the social module is a good sign that CIG has gotten its ducks in a row and has completed most of the back-end heavy lifting. Once the code merge is complete, I think we'll start seeing much more rapid updates. I think we'll have AC 2.0 by end of year, and the first bit of Squadron 42 is within the realm of possibility. No, no, Jace Pentad. Crazy Optimus fanboy, you forgot White Knight. Haha. <laughs> yeah. We also forgot bootlicking CIG Apologist, which right, is another right. one. That should be in somewhere as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, excuse me. Hey, uh, say gunpowder, testosterone, that's what I put in my coffee and on my toast, and I'll let you figure out which one is which, okay? Got plenty of gunpowder and testosterone over here. I just don't want them on my ship unless I have some sort of say-so about getting it on on the ship. See what I mean? Okay. Yeah, so, and I think that CIG has mostly addressed my concerns. You know, there's got to be a physical connection somehow with the ship, which will involve them getting through my defenses somehow, which is fine. Uh, I think they've got the, the right tack on it, and it was good that we got the clarification from Matt. Yeah, generally some quite positive feedback there. There was a lot that people wrote in that we had to cut because they then went and clarified in ATV what actually is going to be happening with the hacking, like you were saying. I think it was, uh, uh, who was it? Was it Ostron? Wrote a, a really good you know, thing that we're definitely going to nick for the game that we're making. Right. But yeah, unfortunately that all got a little bit overturned. As for uh, uh, Benu, who said that he thinks we're going to hit all the milestone dates as outlined in Tony Zerobex's post, I've got to agree with him there, particularly as he didn't actually give dates. So Right, yes. All the dates. He's going to hit he's all those hit dates. Every that he's single one. Yes. But he does say that he doesn't think that we're going to, uh, you know, why we shouldn't expect daily or weekly game patches. I mean, Lennon, your daily builds a pipe dream, but yeah. I don't see why a weekly patch isn't within the wrong possibility. I'm still advocating nightly builds, because even if it's horribly broken, the he who shall not be named would just need to check that out to see what progress they're making. That's, you know, one reason. And and again, I mean, with the back end that they've put together, you know, frequent updates shouldn't be a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, you keep, you keep advocating. Lennon. I'm going to keep, keep advocating. And now it's time for general feedback. Chuck007 writes in and says, Great show, guys. I listen to it while I work, and it's great for taking your mind off the boring stuff. Throwing a question at you guys. Why is CIG not using or taking advantage of all the backer-made 3D ships? 
Yes, a large number of them are just in concept phase, but there's still a fair number of them that would need very little work to bring into the game. Since the fan modelers do not have access to the ship pipeline, it would fall on some artists to obtain the models and then shepherd them through the pipeline till completion. If this is robbing resources from the game to accomplish, then bring the ships into the game as placeholders. The designers have said on more than one occasion that they're looking to populate the game with lots of ships. Well, show some appreciation to the fan artists who are all too happy to gift their work in exchange for seeing their work in the game they love. Yeah, you caught me. I'm a 3D modeler. Just a hobby. Having admitted that, I can very much appreciate the huge amount of work that goes into these models. My opinion is that they need to start pulling as much fan-made work into the game now as possible. In fact, instead of getting more people asked for submission from the fans in exchange for a ship or a weapon. See where I'm going with this? I must be passionate about this subject. I've written smaller letters to my mother. Clearly, very passionate. And CIG is going to have a pipeline or pipelines for 3D models, probably for mission creation and other artwork eventually, I'm sure. But one of the things that they learned from the next great starship is that even very, very good models need a lot of work to fit into their concept of what the ship is going to be. And don't forget that between the end of the next great starship where they named the redeemer as the winner and today they've completely gutted and redesigned the damaged states of the ships and the internal configuration to accept modular components so even when they had this UGC user generated content system out there with the next great starship they've completely redone everything since then so I think until they actually have their pipeline settled down, and I think we're starting to see that now, it would be a very bad idea for them to open the floodgates to files submitted in every which way, personal preferences on modeling systems and modeling programs, and then not having access to the style guides and the design Bible that they have internally. I think that would be bad at this stage. But it's going to happen. It will happen. And, and I think that'll be wonderful but just not yet i think they should continue to get those submissions and keep those areas open between the fan submissions and, and the ship creators oh yeah i i just don't think that now is is the appropriate time to take that when we see the game more fleshed out in beta we're getting you know off planet and and more into the persistent universe then i think they can take all that and say oh yeah this this is great i we ought to put this in and and that kind of stuff and i and i think that one of the really the true hidden values of this project and this development concept is that there's a lot of learning and teaching going on not only within cig but also with the community i mean the community hub is a great example of this is that here's a place where you can as a fan as a as a backer post your own creations out there and get feedback from other members of the community. Maybe a dev stops by and points some things out to you. And then from the get-go, CIG is trying to not only coordinate multiple studios and a lot of outsource art creation, they're trying to make it so that anybody can pick up their design Bible, whether it's a contractor or a fan, and create something that fits within their universe and works with their internal development pipeline. I mean, I think that's the end goal for their situation here because, you know, it makes business sense, number one. Here, if you want to work as a freelance artist for our company, here's our criteria, here's our design specifications, have at it. Or for UGC content, if you want to trade, like the suggestion here is for a weapon or something, great, here you go, have at it, do it. But you have to conform to these criteria. I think that that sort of community teaching and learning is going to be really an unlooked for and unquantifiable side benefit of this development process. People are going to build portfolios and game designers, game developers, 3D artists are going to say, oh, you use the CIG. You designed this to the CIG specifications. Okay, yeah, I see what you did here. I know what to expect from that. It'll be almost like a credentialing experience. You've demonstrated your ability to take a professional design criteria document and build something to that specification that conforms to it. That's like a checkbox for somebody who wants to get hired someplace. So following off from that, you were saying how it would be a checkbox. At the moment, if you try to get any sort of 
game development job, really. They always ask, you know, oh, if you've ever made mods for Half-Life or if you've ever mm-hmm. used this toolkit to make a extension for whatever, you know, let us see it. Yeah, this yeah. would this would be a great thing for that. And also don't forget that the server component is supposed to be released eventually so you can host your own servers. And you could always include as many ships as you want in there. But I also see, like you were saying, the community hub would be a great place for it because their section, I think it's called Deep Space Radar, kind of functions a bit like Reddit where there's upvotes and downvotes, but it's an internal thing. And I think that one of the problems, like you said, with opening the floodgates is that, unfortunately, whilst a lot of people, and nothing against Chuck specifically, I've never seen his work, I can't comment on that, but a lot of people feel that they can design ships, and I'm sure that they look great, but they don't necessarily always fit the ethos of the designer and how they're supposed to follow the style guides. Star Trek Online, just to return to that, did a competition to design the Enterprise F. And a lot of the entries, they were were nice-looking ships, but they weren't Star Trek ships. They didn't have that Star Trek look and feel to them. And the winning ship, it was a bit controversial anyway, and still required further tweaking to make it fit the actual design brief. So I think by opening up the floodgates, you're allowing potentially... You know, it's more time that at the moment people like the customer service reps and heck, even possibly even the 3D artists would have to get involved in moderating that pipeline and be like, well, this is like 90% workable, but this other ship that everybody's massively upvoted, like, that's nothing like we want to design. So, right, right, exactly. Yeah, and, and there's a reason why the sequel to the next great starship has not hasn't been produced been done. yet. Yeah, they're still working yeah, on they're, it. Yeah, they're trying to nail down what it is exactly what they want. And once they get that, maybe we will have a sequel. But by then, it might not be really a contest anymore. It might be more like a job application. Yeah, absolutely. Aklis writes in to say, you don't want to play FPS, but others will. So our game will have things that you don't want to do. I would love to be able to do some Black Ops type of activity, you know, hacking a ship from a distance when they aren't aware and no need to do dogfights. I would also like to hitchhike by using the hacking system someday. That's an interesting concept, you know, being a stowaway. I love the hitchhike suggestion. Yeah. So that is a great suggestion. Yeah. I love it. I think I found something else on my checklist of stuff to do in-game. Yeah, well, so. on that checklist, <laughs> make sure that you take your towel. <laughs> Always know where your towel is. Doc Buckshot says, With regards to concerns about hacking, fear not, dear friends. I imagine it will be something that's easily countered if you're paying attention and have anti-missile countermeasures. I can also see gameplay that lets you counter the hacking attempts as seen in the movie Hackers. Also, with regard to character models, I disagree with Jeff that it's important for people to have characters of varying heights. Successful franchises like Mass Effect, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, and Elder Scrolls, without mods, do not let you change your character height either. We've seen how much trouble the merging of first and third person animations are for CIG with just the male skeleton of a single height. How much more work with having so many variations of the skeleton add to the delay? I don't believe it's cutting corners for CIG to mark this a low priority and maybe come back to it after we have a working game which should be their number one priority right now. And I disagree with his statement because uh, games like Mass Effect, Star Wars, and Elder Scrolls, they're not persistent universe games. You know, these are not games and where you're creating a huge role-playing game. I mean, it's I, I play those games and I'm just going through the campaign. I don't expect to customize my character like that. However, and you know, like Eve, Eve, I can customize my character. So you're saying it's the multiplayer aspect. It's the presenting this to other people that makes a difference between right. the games that he's saying, like Mass Effect and Knights of the Old Republic, and a persistent universe online game. Right. Interesting. Ranger XML writes in and says, also saying that this is an easy part is just asking for pain. I'm all for giving a schedule with no dates, but becoming overly optimistic saying that this is a cut and paste is really just asking for the world to fall on me. Ships in AC have unique sounds. Just have those associated with the fake models in Area 18. They are putting so much effort into the sound in other parts of the game, I'm actually a bit disappointed in the sound in the social module. Michael Nolan says the real utility of the power grid is for those guys running multi-crew ships alone. A tablet with e-war controls for science, engineering, etc. will allow quicker actions without jumping around the keyboard. And he provides a pic of his setup, which will be in the show notes. John Kessie writes in and says, In real life, I'm a research student affiliated with the Center for Planetary Science and Exploration at Western University in Ontario. One of my roles within that is as the executive producer for the podcast Western Worlds, which is a podcast where we interview scientists and engineers working in all aspects of space, planetary science, and exploration. We're relaunching our podcast for our fifth season and was wondering if it would be possible to get a mention of the show on Priority One Podcast and or Guard Frequency. 
It's about a 30-minute show consisting of an interview and a roundtable discussion. The first proper episode of the new season will be available 28th September and then run bi-weekly. And I've listened to uh, one of their uh, episodes, I think the last one of the season, talking about how water gets on planetary bodies and how they think that the solar system evolves to make that happen. It was really interesting, and it was, I thought it was a good discussion. And those of you who kind of like the uh, space science uh, bits uh, that we do on Nuggets might want to give that a listen. And we'll put a link in the show notes. Green Jagoon writes in and says, Careful at Kinetic Impulsor. You're assuming hacking will be balanced for play as with every other system. Yes, I'm making an assumption. Uh, I'm making an assumption that somehow things will get off track and not be balanced or, or designed to my liking. But that's why I have a podcast so I can complain and head these problems off at the pass, which CIG did. So, and once again, I am at happy and I and myself am at balance and at peace. Okay. Our new patrons this week are Hellibop and Mark Bogman. Our winners of our brand new patches, Hellius. Thanks for those who have raised their pledges as well. And this week's community question, your take on the forum rejigawatt. What the hell is a gigawatt? Okay, or how about that new community hub? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post in our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So how was the show? Do we explode in a blaze of glory like Boromir or end more like him in that other series? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe at feeds.guardfrequency.com or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 88 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 89 on September 22nd, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at the GuardFrequency.com website or the official Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can get in touch with us on the contact form on our website. All the details for all the ways you can talk to us will be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. It covers Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Head on over to priorityonepodcast.com and check them out. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com slash live. We start recording around 11 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivery Bean Lowmaster, our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Jordan Edwards, our staff writer, Jeff Grant, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If there's no one listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Two three three zero. Carol one five. Squawk seven seven zero zero. Stay on the guard. Last one, last one. This, this one's especially for our British fans out there. Hang on. Hang on. Long... Hang on. Whoa, 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 if it's for the British fans, can I try and guess it in advance? Sure. And if it is, we'll just cut this. Is it the bin liner? You're good. Oh, you are yes. so good. <laughs> you are so good. Okay, hang on. Here we go. But yeah, here's the joke. And that's okay. We can have dead air silence and not make good radio this episode because yes. we're alive. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Except for all of our Patreon listeners. If it, in fact, if we just all go quiet for like 10 seconds, they'll probably wonder if the feed's died. Yes. Let's do that. Okay. Shh. Okay, okay, that should be okay. good. Yeah. yeah, that should be good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Everyone ought to be really, really jitter, jittery and nervous at that point. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Jason and Disco Lando take another crack at the weekly Star Magazine update scene. Their display Whoops. of pun... Jeff. What? Star Marine. Oh, what did I say? 
Star Magazine. Star Magazine. Which, oh. you know. Which is a thing. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, but if I you want celebrity gossip. How did I get a magazine out of Marine? <laughs> that's because probably no. you have a stack of Star Magazines next to your next to your, the, your chair there. And uh, Kim Kardashian's um, breakfast no, choices no, are no, probably, no, no, no. you know, on the front page. Yeah. But a few blockers were delayed. Was that blockers or blockheads? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maybe both. Bug Smashers, episode 10. We're back. Oh, to- come on. Huh? That's not what the copy says. It says Bug Smashers. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bug Smashers, episode 10. Uh, around <laughs> sorry wait how much whoa whoa whoa, whoa 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 okay now jeff was jeff was hassling me about my bullet points but i hang on a second <laughs> that how am i supposed to read this the, sandy's pretty the there was a whole other bit on the end which is somehow got deleted it was saying sandy's pretty punny but she's learned from the benst and i've just realized that half of that oh. so <laughs> <laughs> like, pretty. Well, were you like like just sort of like Sandy's drunk or pretty. something when you were there? That is pretty. No, there was a whole, but I, I did notice okay. that somebody has written a little bullet point underneath that definitely wasn't me, Tony. And so I'm gonna blame the deletion of that on you. No no Jace Pentad. Pentad Pantad Pin Pintad Pinhead <laughs> Known Known Noel Jace Pentad. Uh, I said it right the first time. Testosterone gunpowder that's what i put on my coffee and uh, oh, hang on, hang on, oh dang it i messed up the joke um, can you do that again because there's a full stop between assuming and hacking <clears throat> there's a full stop okay otherwise Care- known in america as a period uh, no periods are what 14 year old girls have careful at Connecticut. And <laughs> it's windows 10 shut it <laughs>